Well, good morning. My name is Adam. I'm the teaching pastor here, and we are in the last week of a series called Some Assembly Required. Over the first three weeks, we, uh, we, we've looked at key elements of your faith and talked about how all of those elements are, are built over the course of a lifetime, that you're not handed these things with a full and complete and mature understanding of them, but, but they're disciplines that you have to engage in that will grow your faith as you become more and more like Christ every day. And we won't get it perfect, and we won't have it down really, really quickly, but every day we can take one more step closer to becoming who it is that God would have us to be. Week one, we talked about reading and reflecting on Scripture, that if anything's going to grow your faith, it's going to be that. That understanding and knowing God's Word and reflecting on how that impacts your life, that's going to be a key catalyst for growing your faith. We talked about serving and how when you start participating in what God is doing in the world, you uncover how, who He created you to be and how your talents meet His kingdom's needs and it grows your faith. And we also talked about praying and how having an active prayer life connects you with God. And it's one of those things that more than anything realigns your will with His will. But in all of those things, they're lifelong pursuits. You don't finish children's ministry with a complete understanding of all of Scripture as you'll know it when you spend a lifetime engaging in God's Word. But every day that you study it, it's useful and beneficial and good. And each day as we spend time in, that, in His Word and as we spend time in Scripture, we can get more and more of an understanding of what it means to follow and live a life for Christ. That there's assembly required as we put together our faith. And today I get the opportunity to talk about discipleship. And discipleship is this uh, old word that we've spent a lot of time over the past few years trying to unpack and make more clear here. And discipleship is really just the process of walking with somebody and helping them put those pieces of their faith together. You're saying to somebody, hey, I know that you just started reading Scripture or you want to start reading Scripture. Here's how I do it. Here's how I developed a daily habit. And so let me help you put that piece together. Or hey, when I first started serving, I made these mistakes. And so here, come with me when I, while I serve. And we can help get that together. You don't know how to pray? I remember when I didn't know how to pray. I still sometimes feel like I don't know how to pray, but let me tell you all the things that I've learned in prayer. And on the other side of that coin, it's being willing to ask somebody, hey, could you show me what, it looks, what your prayer life looks like? Could you help me understand what reading and reflecting on Scripture looks like? Could you show me what it looks like to serve and be involved in, in God's kingdom? It's this willingness to go along on a journey with somebody. That as we're putting together this new life that Christ has invited us into, that we help each other put together those essential ingredients so we can have a strong faith and a new life in Him. Imagine if somebody walked up to you and said, Hey, do you have a flashlight? I'm like, I got you. I absolutely have a flashlight. Here you go. Here's uh, one battery. That'll work for you. Here's another battery that you're going to need that for sure. Here is the actual body of it. You're going to need that part of it. And then here's the end cap and here's the lens. So, I mean, good luck. Hope you find your way out of the darkness. And it's like, well, technically you gave somebody a flashlight 
That's not very kind, right? It's like, good luck putting it together. Discipleship is saying to somebody, hey, you need, you need to understand what a new life in Christ is. Well, here, let me help you put that together. You take this and you make sure you get that all the way on there. It's got to be all the way on there because if it's not all the way on there, you're going to have problems. Take this and put it together this way. It needs to go in this direction. You know how I know it needs to go in that direction? Because I put it in the other direction one time, and it didn't work. It didn't turn on at all. It's going to be a big mistake if you don't put it in that direction. And you got to do that twice. Make sure that you do that twice, and then make sure you get that all screwed in there really nice. Just in case anything goes wrong, you got to make sure that you can really put that on there, because sometimes screwing this end cap part on is kind of tough, as you're seeing right now, because um, I'm struggling with it. <laughs> But there you go. Then you got a flashlight, and should you ever need it, storm, whatever, there you go. That is a flashlight, and that's how it works, and that's how it's put together. And I know that that's how it's put together because I went through the process of putting it together before. And I think that too often in church, we spend a lot of time focusing just on handing people the components of our faith. And we say, good luck. Make sure you spend time in Scripture. I mean, every day you better spend time in Scripture. Go, spend time in Scripture every day. Good luck. And then Monday comes and you're like, but what? Like, who is Hezekiah? What's that all about? Do I need to start there? And discipleship is being willing to walk with somebody and say, hey, here's how I started studying Scripture. You need to put it together this way. Because I made the mistake once of going too long in between times of reading Scripture and it wasn't as impactful. But I found that when I spent time in Scripture daily, it really started to make a difference in my life. And as Mike said a couple weeks ago, the, 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 the key to, for me to building this daily habit was if I missed once, I wasn't going to miss twice. And if I missed twice, I wasn't going to miss three times. And if I missed three times, I wasn't going to miss four times. I made sure that this was going to become a daily habit. And so let me help you Put that into your pursuit of Christ. When I first started praying, I made this mistake with prayer. I was trying to tell God what I wanted, and I was trying to bend his will to my will because I thought that I knew everything about everything, and I found out that I don't know anything about anything. And prayer helped me discover that when I align my will with his will, then life starts to get better and make more sense. But I made that mistake. So let me tell you and walk you along this journey. Let me help you put these pieces together by being willing to show you what it looks like when they're really involved in your lives. And the, the key assumption there is that these elements are really a part of your life. That in order to teach somebody how to study Scripture, you need to be, teach, uh, you need to be spending time in Scripture and to be able to show them what it looks like. Because we are all called into this journey to become disciple makers. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, we've talked about it so many times this year. It says this, Jesus is talking and he's right before he says this, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Therefore, go and make disciples. You have to go and do this. 
I'm equipping you. I'm sending you. I'm commanding you to go and take part in discipleship. I'm telling you that you need to go and be a disciple maker and help people put together all of these things that, look, that, that make up living a new life with me and show them what they look like. Show them how it goes together. Show them the ways that you've messed up. Show them the ways that you've grown. Show them the things that you've learned. Because as you do that, and as you help them understand it well enough that they can teach somebody else, that is Jesus's strategy to grow his kingdom. And he invites all of us to take part in what he's doing. The church, what we are, is primarily a disciple-making organization. We're supposed to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. As I said a couple weeks ago, we need to take seriously the command to teach someone how to teach someone to follow Jesus. To open our lives. To invite people in to learn from our mistakes. To hopefully get it quicker than we did. 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, we talked about a couple weeks ago when I talked about this same topic because it's very important. Paul says, follow me as I follow the example of Christ. And he's saying what we should say to others, like, look at my life because I'm going to take following Jesus very seriously and you can follow my example as I follow the example that Christ laid out for us. I'm not going to get it perfect, but I'm going to show you everything that I'm learning along the way and I'm going to invite you along with me. And all around that verse, he talked about how it's important to make it your whole life. In another spot, while he's imprisoned, he would write to the church in Philippi. And in Philippians 1, 19 through 26, he says this. And he says this after talking about how some people preach Christ out of selfish ambition. Some people teach Christ out of this bad motivation. Some people teach, preach Christ out of this bad motivation. But the biggest thing that matters is that Christ is being proclaimed and that his gospel is being advanced. And then he follows up with this, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, that what's happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. That this, everything that's happening in my life, no matter how bad it might seem, is actually going to turn out for good that I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, even while in chains, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by my life or by my death. He's trying to make it very clear that the thing that matters about what happens in my life is that Christ is exalted. If they're to kill me, then they're to kill me. But if I'm going to live, I'm going to be here and live for Christ. So for me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in this body, it will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to, be, to, to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. And so convinced of this, I know that I will remain. And he's saying, no matter what pain and brutality and persecution I'll face, it's far better for you that I remain because I still have something to give. I still have something to teach. And so even though the joy that lies beyond with Christ is far better, I have this necessary and this important work to do to keep offering the invitation, follow me 
as I follow the example of Christ. So he concludes, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Imagine the courage it took to say that and the circumstances with which he said that. So you can pull out of that that key memory verse that so many people memorize, that for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But seated in the context, it means that even though eternity with Christ is so much better and I'll get more out of it, I have this important thing to do because there are so people on this planet that don't know that there is hope and joy and eternity possible for them. And so I have to stay and proclaim that Christ died for all, that all might be included in his advancing kingdom. I have to tell them about the God that became man and lived a perfect life as an example, who took our punishment to the cross, who suffered for our sin and died to pay for that debt, but who conquered the grave that we might have new life. I have to stay so that more and more people can hear about that message And guess what? When you're invited into this new life, your life now can change. You can have a new purpose now. So follow me. As I follow the example of Christ, I will obediently follow the call that he, wherever he takes me, because I want everything to be my mission field so that people might understand what a new life with Jesus looks like. Because everywhere you go, everywhere you go, is your mission field for making disciples. We are called. We are called to be his people in every circumstance. And so we have to leave this place once we find somebody who can come alongside us and help us put together all the components of our faith. We have to go and do it for somebody else. And I know for some of you, you might be standing in the room and thinking like, yeah, I don't even, I'm not even sure about Jesus right now. Like I just came because somebody invited me and now you're yelling at me, like get off my back a little bit, you know? I just got some questions. That's okay. Find somebody that's been here a while that you can ask those questions of. You can say, what is this pursuit of Jesus really like? But more than that, so much more than that, if you've been in church for a long time and you've been studying Scripture for potentially years, you go find somebody that doesn't know as much about you uh, as you about Scripture and help them understand. It is not humility if you've been studying Scripture for years and years to claim that you have nothing to teach. It's disobedience. We're called to go and make disciples. And so all of us, if we're farther in our pursuit, in our journey with Jesus than somebody else, we have something to give. Even if it's with, here's how I developed a a habit of reading scripture. Here's what I know right now about prayer. Here's what I know about serving the kingdom. Just start with those things and do that with someone and your relationship with Jesus will change faster than it ever has because the person that you're teaching will have questions maybe that you've never asked and you have to find the answer to and together you'll uncover something that you never understood before we have to take seriously this call to make disciples 
to go with somebody and say, here, I can help you put that together. Now you go show somebody else how to put that together because this flashlight in this room is not that effective. But in absolute darkness, this is a lifesaver. And it changes people's lives. And so go into the dark and hopeless places, which might be right next to you when you show up at work tomorrow. It might be in the desk next to you at school tomorrow. It might be on a sports team. It might be with a family member. The darkest places of your life need a light so desperately. And so we have to go from this place proclaiming that there's a God that makes all things new that heals the brokenness, that restores and has eternity for us, and he's invited us to participate in what he's doing in the world. But we have to get out of the collection of lights in order to spread the light of God's kingdom. And we got to just help people put it together. Willingness. To walk with somebody changes everything. At the beginning of the year, we, there was a sermon series called What If We Discipled. The sermon series was called What If I Talked About Discipling. That doesn't matter. I digress. In that part, there was a section that I shared on Sunday morning and that Mike shared with our leaders that Sunday night. Just imagining what it would look like if we took seriously this call to make disciples from Scripture. And these are all on the Bible app notes, and you'll be able to see them on the screens. But if, if we make disciples who make disciples, these are paraphrases, we would become a community of believers who had everything in common and devoted ourselves to the teaching of Scripture and prayer. And we would add to our number daily those that were being saved. And you can see that in Acts 2, 42 through 44. Please go look at Acts 2, 42 through 44, and make sure that I'm not lying to you about what that says there. If we make disciples who make disciples, we'll uncover the God-given purpose in our lives and find a full and sincere pursuit of Jesus that will be strengthened by scripturally-driven accountability, as we see in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. If we make disciples who make disciples, no one will go unnoticed because enough people would show up looking to find people to serve instead of seeking to be served by the experience. And now don't mishear what I'm saying here. I hope that every time we open our doors, desperate people come in here hoping to be served by what the church is doing. We should never run out of people coming here to find answers. But we also better have people here more interested in finding those that need help than being helped with their eyes wide open to those that might want to slide in and slide out and be invisible. But we're going to catch them and say hello and ask how they're doing and really mean it and potentially pray with them and walk alongside them in their journey. It should be almost impossible to go unnoticed in a church, but that takes all of us opening our eyes to who's coming in this place when we gather together. And we see that in Philippians 2, 3. If we make disciples who make disciples, we show up ready to worship and be glad together because we're celebrating being on mission and caring for one another. In Colossians 3.16, it 
who made disciples, who made disciples, we would experience true freedom in Christ. And we see that in Galatians 5.1. And if we made disciples, who made disciples, we could help restore a broken world. There's too much darkness around for us to sit idly by. There's too much brokenness around for us to just hold on to and think about the answers. There's too much, too many places where Jesus is needed for us to be consent, content to just sit here and hope that the worship were songs that we liked or was a message that was entertaining enough. There's too much. We have to go. We're commanded to go. Make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Very simply, just go and be with people and help them put together their faith over time. Will you pray with me? God, we are blown away by the invitation that you give each of us to participate in what you're doing in the world. God, we pray that we would have the courage to go. If we've been following you for a long time, we pray that we would have the courage to go and find somebody that we can show what it looks like to put together their faith over time. And God, I pray that for those in the room that just have questions, that they'd have the courage to find somebody to ask those questions to. Prompt them, move them, and help those around them take notice. God, do what only you can do and bring the people together that need each other. You're the God of restoration and redemption and reconciliation. So help us to see each other this morning. We love you and we thank you. And it's in your son's name we pray.